Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bellow. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20 through 23. And let's, let's go over that scripture again. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So let's, let's say that together. I will keep the word of God in the midst of my heart. Okay, he says, um, For they are alive to those who find them. They are alive to those who find them. And a health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs what? The issues of life. Praise the Lord. And we went on and on to talk about how uh, it's important that we guard our, our gates, our ear gates, our eye gates. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So it's important what you see, it's important what you hear. Because what you see, what you hear ultimately determines what you begin to think and what you think uh, ultimately determines what you feel and what you feel determines what that's your emotions ultimately determine your decisions your decisions determine your actions your actions determine your your what your habits your habits determine what your character and then your character determines your destination everyone here is at a destination and that destination is as a result of um, what you have been thinking about how you felt over the years the decisions you've made um, the habits you have formed and uh, ultimately the character that you have formed or who you have become because of the way you think and that's why it's important that we must be careful what we see and what we hear. Amen. Amen. And your character is what people naturally expect of you. That's your character. Um, when I see you, what do I expect of you? When I see you, what do I expect is the way you might respond to something. Uh, people respond differently to things and, and that's because... Uh, a character has been formed over the years to respond in a certain way. Um, so it's important that if you um, see certain things that you want to change in your life, somebody say change. You see certain things that you want to change in your life, you must know that there is a roadmap to transformation and there is a roadmap to change. When I did the um, Mind of Christ series, I broke it down into three basic category and uh, uh, into three categories and the first is your identity second is your transformation and then number three is what your expression and we said the transformation doesn't happen before identity in this kingdom uh, but for the world you might have to be transformed for them to give you an identity for you to have an identity clause you must have to go through transformation but in the body of Christ, you don't have to go through um, transformation before you have an identity. 
you actually start out with an identity. And that identity is who you are in Christ Jesus. For if any man is in Christ, he is what? He's a new creation. All things have what? Passed away, and all things have become new. Um, for as many as received him, to them he gave power to be called what? The sons of God. So from the very moment you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were called the Son of God. So you are not called Son of God um, at the moment you begin to behave like a Son of God. Are you still here? So you're not called a son, you're not called a kingdom person just because you begin to behave like one yet. But you are called a son because you are born. For as many as received him, to them he gave power to become what? The sons of God. So you are called sons of God because you have received him, not because you performed. So can you say that with me? I'm a son in the kingdom. Yes, say that I'm not trying to be a son. Okay, help me also tell another neighbor who is by your side, maybe the one you haven't talked to yet, and tell him, I'm not trying to prove a point to be a son. Alright, so do you understand it? Um, You're a son, and now the responsibility is on you because you are sons. Uh, Are you still here? So the responsibility now is on you because you are sons, you, you behave likewise. You begin to do the things that sons do. You begin to behave in the way that sons behave. So, because you have received an identity, you begin to behave in the identity that you are. Hallelujah. So, it's important to know that um, 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 in this kingdom, your identity comes first before transformation. And we also said on Sunday how that it's important to make sure the word of God is resident in our hearts. We gave an example of two great men in the scripture, uh, one called Caleb and the other called um, Joshua. And every other person who went to the promised land and spied didn't come back with a good testimony. And the reason is because of what they saw. Uh, yeah, and, and the Bible says, according to their report, that we were in our own eyes, first of all, as grasshoppers and so were we in their eyes so they had already determined um, who they were just because they saw the sons of Anakim they saw the giants Uh, it doesn't matter what you see right now one thing you must always stick with is who you are praise God you must always stay with who you are in Christ Jesus And, and this is the reason why it is important for believers to have a very focused Um, attention on who they are regardless of what you feel regardless of what you're going through regardless of where you are regardless of what you don't have you must always say to yourself this is who I am and it doesn't shake nothing amen Um, I can't guarantee you that bad circumstances will not come but the fact that bad circumstances come doesn't mean that the emotions that come with those circumstances have to go with you I don't know if you get what I'm saying yeah, you don't have to carry the emotions of bad circumstances. So a, 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 a tragedy, for example, hits your heart or your spirit or your life. It doesn't mean that you have to be messy because you walked into a mess. 
if you understand what I'm saying. So you, you can have the state of intact joy, intact peace, regardless of what you're going through. And it's the same thing that happened to Jesus when the Bible says that Jesus was in the boat and the boat was um, raging, the storm was raging, there was... Uh, um, 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 the, the, the disciples were trying to figure their way out through the storm and then uh, Peter went to wake the master up and said master don't you care that we perish and Jesus from sleep rose up and rebuked the wind and said peace be still that was a man who knew how to master circumstances master his situation glory to God and that is the same way God wants us to respond to issues that when you have issues or when you're going through crisis in life, when you're going through anything, you must be able to rise up and say, peace be still. Glory to God. Yeah, so uh, it's important that as there is trouble out there, your heart is not troubled. There must be peace in here first before you even give peace out to anything. Before you say, peace be still, you must be able to have peace in here. You must be able to quiet your heart and say, peace be still. Glory to God. And for anyone who is here this evening who has had any reason to be worried, any reason to to sorrow, any reason to grieve, any reason to be down, any reason to cry, I speak the peace of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Are you ready? So, um, let's see Romans chapter... Four verse. Uh, let's, let's start from verse eleven. Okay, go go down a bit. Yes, go down a bit. Okay, start from verse. Yeah, verse 16. Okay. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. I think, let me start from the beginning. <laughs> let me start from the beginning, because it will help us understand better. No, not from verse 1. Let's start from verse 8. Let's start from verse 8, then we'll ultimately get to where we're going. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Verse 9. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? You know the, the, the point of conversation here? The circumcised, the circumcised, that's the Jews, and the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised. Meaning that the promise came to Abraham not when Abraham was circumcised. Do you understand? But while he was what? Uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while, he, while still uncircumcised. That he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Next verse. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but also 
walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. For the promise, yeah, this is where I want to go. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Next verse. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. Meaning that if you have to keep the law for the promise to be fulfilled, then he's saying that um, that promise is actually a void promise. Because it doesn't show the power of the one who promised, but it glorifies you who kept the law. Do you understand what he's saying? So he's saying that what happens is that the fulfillment of the promise has nothing to do with the fact that you kept the law or you fulfilled the law. But it was given by promise. And when it, gave, when it was given by promise, it was even given before the law came. Because when God promised Abraham he was going to be father of many nations, um, the Ten Commandments was not given at the time. Right? So, let's keep reading. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no what? Transgression. Meaning that if there is no thou shalt not, uh, um, a law can be broken and there can't be any punishment. Yeah, so it says, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. So that the promise, say with me the promise. Because that's where I'm going tonight. The, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Next verse. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead um, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope? Now this is, Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he might become the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be, according to what? According to what was spoken, that he will be the father of many nations. Then, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Hallelujah. How, how old was Abraham at, at this point? Abraham was about 100 years old. And how old was Sarah? Since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Uh, he did not waver at the promise. Say the promise. So firstly you have the promise and then you have the problem. So there are two things to consider here. The, say, say with me the promise. Say it again. So the promise. And then what? The problem. So there was a problem. What was the problem? Abraham was a hundred years. Even if he desired to have a child. He's a hundred years. And Sarah's womb is dead. But there was the promise. And what was the promise? What God had said. Which one is more real? Which one feels more real? The problem feels more real. Because he's hundred and he feels a hundred. Do you understand? He doesn't. He doesn't feel like in the days of his youth. He feels like a hundred years old. 
But the Bible says he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Go back to verse um, verse 9. Okay, let's, let's read this. And being fully convinced that what he had what promised, he was able to perform. Being fully convinced that what God had promised, God was able to perform. Meaning that Abraham had his faith in God. He didn't have his faith in the promise. He had his faith in in the one who gave the promise. And that's where a lot of us miss it. We miss it because if the promise is not happening, our faith is not active. In fact, we only say we have faith when we see the promise happen step by step. But if the promise is not happening, there is no faith. But what happens when the promise hasn't started to happen yet? You must put your faith in Him. Glory to God. And being fully convinced that what He had promised, He was also able to perform. Is there something else? And therefore it was accounted to Him for righteousness. So go back to verse 19. Go back to verse 19. Yeah, it says, And not being weak in faith, he did not what? Consider his own body. Somebody say consider. He did not what? Consider. Let me tell you um, meanings of the word consider. Be not weak in faith. He did not consider. To consider um, is to think carefully about. That's what it means to consider. To think carefully about. Um, number two, it also means to contemplate. It also means to contemplate. That's what it means to consider. To think carefully about. Um, to contemplate. And, and the question is, what are you contemplating on? Are you contemplating on the promise? Or are you contemplating on the problem? Are you thinking carefully about the promise? Or are you thinking carefully about the problem? Because life will always present problems to you. And the one thing you must make sure you are doing is to give more attention on the promise and not the problem. Amen? Um, regardless of the fact that you know the Word of God, doesn't mean that you think about the Word of God more. What I just said is very important and I want you to get it. Regardless of the fact that you know the Word of God, doesn't mean that you think about the Word of God more. So the question I'm asking you is, are you paying more attention to the promise, or are you paying more attention to the problem? What do you think about more? At night before you sleep, what do you think about more? When you wake up in the morning, what do you think about more? Another word to consider means to reflect on. It means to reflect on. What are you reflecting on? Are your reflections on the problems? Or are your reflections on the promise? Right? As basic as this might sound, this is the life of most of us. Um, when you're alone, what do you say to yourself? What are you reflecting on? Number four, to bear in mind. To bear in mind. What are you bearing in mind? Are you getting what I'm saying? 
Do you bear in mind more of the problem or do you bear in mind more of the promise? Um, number five, to take into account. That's what it means. To take into account, it means to consider, to take into account. Do you do that more for the promise or do you do that more for the problem? Number six, to ponder. What are you pondering on? What is your meditation on? And that's number seven. What are you meditating on? So number one, to think carefully about, to contemplate, to reflect on, to bear in mind, to take into account, to ponder, uh, to meditate on. Glory to God. And it's important as believers that you must be able to take charge of your thought life. Uh, because if you don't do that, you will find yourself meditating more on the problem than on the promise. And when I spoke about God in your heart, I said that what you pay attention to, what you hear and what you see, determines how you begin to think. So, um, when you are always thinking about the problem, it means you are always listening to the voice of the problem. Are you getting what I'm saying? It means you're always listening to the voice of the problem. And why did I say so? I said so because when problematic thoughts come into your mind, they are not just thoughts. And that's the reason why you don't just respond to thoughts with thoughts. You respond to thoughts with words. Why do you respond to thoughts with words? Because thoughts are words spoken to your head. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Because thoughts are not thoughts. Just like that. Thoughts are actually voices that come into your mind. And they come as thoughts. But they are actually words. Um, it is thought for somebody else because you don't know what he's thinking. If, if you understand where I'm going with this. Alright, so it's important that you... you aggressively respond to thoughts with words what gets your attention the problem or the promise and you know to consider means to give it to give away I have come to realize that when you start to consider something that becomes the highway between that thing and your heart that becomes the ex that becomes the breach between what you are considering and your heart. So, it's important what you begin to consider. It's important what you think about all the time. It's important what you are seeing all the time. Because what you are seeing all the time becomes the bridge between that thing and your heart. So, how do you guard your heart? By taking charge of your thought life. Glory to God. Can we say that together? I will take charge. What I hear, what I see, because it comes straight into my heart. Now, let's see Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. Let me show you something there. Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. It says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Now, how did we start on Sunday? We started by saying, What you hear, what you see, determines what you what? Think. Right Now, the serpent said to the woman, if I, I wish the woman knew that when a serpent begins to talk, 
It's strange in the first place. But maybe she didn't have too many human beings to know that. All she had was just Adam. <laughs> to have known that only human beings talk. <laughs> Praise God. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Glory to God. What did God say to Adam? God said, if you eat of the fruit from the knowledge from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. That's what he said. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. So what is the first gate that came into the woman? What was the first gate? High hearing gate. Are we together? What was the first gate that the devil penetrated? Her ears. So he began to speak to her and he said, um, you will not surely die. Right? Next verse. Verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Is this true? Is what, what the serpent said to the woman, is it true? That she will be like God. The, the Bible says that she was already created like God. I mean... Scripture says God made Adam in his own image. And his image he created he, uh, them male and female. So she was already like God. Right? Next verse. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruits and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, the question I'm asking you, how many gates here were activated? Let's look at it very carefully. How many? How many gates were activated here? The woman said, I mean, the serpent said to the woman, then secondly, she saw the tree. Right? Um, you remember while we were teaching on Sunday, we dealt with those two gates on Sunday when the children of Israel, I mean, uh, saw the sons of Anakim, right? And when they also heard, their hearts were weak just because of what they heard. All right, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes. You know, the question that I have to ask here is, was the tree there before the serpent came? Or did the woman take note of the tree, paid attention to the tree after the, after the serpent brought the tree to her attention? Which one? The first or the second? Yeah, the second. So it means that the tree was there, but the serpent only brought it to her attention. And it was when the serpent brought it to her attention, that's when... She now saw that it was good for food. All the while, it was good for food before. But there was an instruction on that fruit. Praise God. So, it's important to see that um, what is brought to your attention is very powerful. Okay? What is brought to your attention is what? Very powerful. And you must be careful what gets your attention. You must be careful 
what gets your attention. In fact, say that with me. I must be careful of what gets my attention. What gets your attention determines your thinking and your feelings and ultimately your decision. You must be careful as a man, as a woman, what gets your attention. It was until that the serpent brought um, um, the, the tree to her attention. That was when she noticed that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes. And desirable to make one wise. She took up its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband. It's the same thing you... I mean... Um, some things you see might be in your memory but suppressed. So if you didn't think about them, you would not necessarily remember that you saw some things on your way to church if you were coming from the house. Um, if, I, if I asked you to buy me corn on the way, all the women selling corn, you know, they are, they are lined up on the way while you're driving. And because I asked you to buy corn for me, you would notice the women who are selling corn. Is that true? Yeah. So that means what you want to see, you will see. Is that correct? So if I said to you, if I didn't give an instruction, buy me corn on your way to church, and you came to church and I asked you, did you see some women selling corn on the way? Except she was standing like this. <laughs> Or, except it caught your attention. You may not have been able to tell whether there was a woman selling corn or not. Meaning that what you give your attention to determines what you think about. Glory to God. Yeah, so um, it's important. It's important because if you expect to see failure, if you expect to see failure, you're going to see failure. If you expect to see flaws, you're going to see flaws. If you expect to see somebody's weaknesses, you're going to see the person's weaknesses. Is that correct? Because what you expect to see, you will see. So you must, you must, guard, you must guard what gets here. Praise God. Have you ever wondered why most people die of cancer faster when they hear that they have cancer? But that's why it's important that the medical personnel has to be taught how to convey a news. Right? Well, sometimes regardless of how you say it, it's as bad as it is as bad. You know, but, but people are fine until you tell them what the problem is. So your perception, your perception is what commands your attention. You must be careful what gets your attention. Glory to God. Somebody became somebody became I'm looking for a word to use. Somebody became, how do you, Mago Mago, cunning to you 
when you found out something. But before you knew that thing, you were okay. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's important how the perception of people change when you know something different about them. So, you must, you must, you must see that perceptions can affect your heart. And if perceptions affect your heart, then you must protect what gets your attention. Glory to God. Mark chapter 4 verse 24. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. Let's say this together. I will take heed to what I hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear more will be given. But let's use another um, translation. If you have the NLT, the NLT version, let's use it. The NLT version. It says, then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. Help me tell you, neighbor, pay close attention to what you hear. Now it says, the closer you listen, uh, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. So what makes you receive more is understanding, right? But how does understanding come? Understanding comes when you learn how to pay close attention. Understanding comes when you learn how to pay close attention. Understanding comes when you learn how to pay close attention. So are you considering the problem more then you are considering the promise. Are you looking more at the problem? Are you looking at what is not working more than what works? You know, when I talked about character on Sunday, character is something that over the years, it becomes a part of you. So therefore, it is not, one, it is not thinking one thought once that makes a character. It is thinking one thoughts many times that actually forms a habit that is sustained to become a character. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's important that when you think about the promise, you must be able to think about the promise again. The same promise. The same promise. The problems might change, but let the same promise be your contemplation. Always think about the promise, not the problems. Always put your attention on the promise, not the problems. How do people develop a character of complaining? It's very simple. He started out um, fussing about something or you know, not happy about something or expressing, you know, reacting extremely about something. And that, that became a habit. And it became a character over time that if you put that person amongst three people who don't complain, who have learned how to not necessarily suppress, but deal with the situation. Okay? 
if you put the four of them in the same problem or in the same situation, it is likely the one who has built a character of complaining, he will complain first and more. And the reason is because he has built a character of always complaining. So, how do you change that habit? You change that habit by going back to the Word of God. What do I think? What, what, what is the opposite of complaining? Rest. If I, let me give you a life tool. I use this for myself. A life tool. I think about it. I say it. And I rest. That's, that's a life tool. I think about it. I say it. And then I rest. When you do that, you would, you would hardly be a complaining person. You think about it. You say it. And, what, and you rest. You think about it. You say it. And you what? And you rest. There is another step further. When you are resting, keep resting. That's the next step. Because the intrusion of your mind will happen to take you out of rest. Things will just want to disturb the rest that you have. If you are, if you are resting, make sure you know that you are not resting because the problem is solved. You are resting because you are contemplating on the promise. Not because the problem has been solved. So when you think about it, what do you do? You say it, and after you've said it, you rest. That's how you stop complaining. Because complaining doesn't change anything. Praise God. So when you are faced with life's challenges, things are not working well, there are things you are asking God to do for you, you are praying, things are not being answered, there are issues here and there. Contemplate more on the promise. I hope you know that there is the word of God for everything. There's the word of God for your house. Amen. There's the word of God for your career. There's the word, there's the word of God for your family. There's the word of God for anything that you want to do. So begin to think word of God thoughts. And when you... See the word of God. It's not just by holding the Bible and putting the Bible on your chest before you sleep. <laughs> and you say to yourself, no weapon formed against me will prosper. And every, if I, let me, let, Let's go to that scripture. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17, I guess. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. Use the King James Version, sir. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You know, if you look at the scripture and you ask yourself, what is the weapon here? Because the weapon, the weapon is formed against you. That weapon doesn't work for somebody else. It's working for you. Especially for you. And you know, this is the reason why it's important not to judge people when they fall. You know why I'm saying so? Because that weapon was not your weapon. So, so if you looked at it and you said to yourself, I could overcome this. It wasn't meant for you. That's why you can't even say you can overcome it. When your own comes, be sure nobody is there to look. 
So no weapon formed against you shall what? Prosper. Let's say that with me. Say no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Have you seen a man who doesn't lie? Doesn't fornicate? Doesn't commit atrocities? But he has a weakness of stealing. When he's amongst people who lie, he stands out as the self-righteous one. So when he comes to give testimony many times in church, he gives testimony of how there was a temptation. Of how he should have lied, but in the office he said the truth. But he never told you about the stealing problem. It's not about what you are saying, it's about what you are not saying. <laughs> there is something you are probably not saying. And that's why it's, not, it's, it's good not to judge anybody. It's good not to cast a stone on anybody. It's important that you don't castigate. It's important that you don't tear your brother down. Just because you see your brother falling. It's so important that you don't do that. So the Bible says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Now, what is the weapon? This is the answer. And every tongue, that's the weapon. Tongue is words that were spoken to your heart. Those words, when you begin to contemplate, when you begin to consider, when you begin to ponder on those thoughts, on those words, they form to become a weapon against you. And which means the longer time you give those words, the stronger the weapon. So you can see someone who has been holding on for a while, but after some months, the person breaks down. So the person broke down not because it is a different word, but because he has contemplated severally about something he shouldn't have been thinking about. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking more about the problem? Or are you thinking more about the promise? When the thoughts of the problem come, counter it with thoughts of the promise. And continue to think thoughts of the promise. That's how to guard your heart. If not, you would always be in a cycle of trying to... You overcome today, you fall tomorrow. You overcome today, you fall tomorrow. You must constantly, constantly... Somebody say constantly. Alright, so it says... And every tongue which rises against you in judgment. Who is going to do the condemning? Talk to me somebody. Who is going to do the condemning? You will do the condemning. Words came against you. But how do you condemn? You condemn by thinking more on the promise than on the problem. Glory to God. Learn to pay no attention to the devil. Do you know, I found out that Abraham, you see, if you read the New Testament, the New Testament made it look like Abraham was a saint. Abraham was not a saint. Abraham actually went to sleep with somebody else to help the promise of God come to pass. And then he gave birth to a problem. Ishmaelin. Ishmaelin. 
So I, I realized that Abraham was not necessarily a man of so much great faith. But Abraham was a man of little unbelief. He gave no room to have unbelief in his heart. So he didn't have to think too much faith. I like it when you want to be a man, a woman of faith and break mountains so that everybody can clap for you and praise you. How often are you going to keep doing that? Just be a woman and a man of little unbelief. You will manifest great faith. Abraham kept thinking about the promise. That's how to be a man of little unbelief. Now let me tell you, this is my life. I can never see myself in a disadvantaged place. Not because I don't go through troubles, not because I don't go through crisis, but because my heart is fixed on the promise. So there is no space for unbelief. Even when the problem is there. How do you tell someone who has space, who, who has a lot of vacuum, where unbelief has filled in, regardless of the fact that the person prays very strong? You can pray very strong, but have so much room for unbelief. You can pray and sweat. You can quote all the scriptures, but have more space for unbelief than faith in your heart. Now, let me tell you why it happens that way. It happens that way because your default expectation is failure. Your default expectation, the, the default expectation you have is that it will not work. You, have, you, you are more negative than you are positive. That's someone who has more space for unbelief. So you can't, you can't keep living your life on highs and lows. Why do I say highs and lows? You get high today when you hear the word. Woof! I can do all things. The pastor preached a wonderful message. And then you go home empowered. After Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. On Wednesday, you're back to square one. I don't, I, I don't prefer that you are like this. Up and down. I prefer you like this. You, you know why I'm saying so? Because you must, you must be emotional, emotionally stable regardless of the problems. Am, am I saying don't express emotion? No, that's not what I'm saying. But make, you, know, you know, it's possible for you to cry, but your heart is intact. You cry because you feel the pain. Right? You cry because you feel the pain. But your heart is like a rock that cannot be moved. It cannot be moved from the promises of God. Praise God. It says, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you're going to be the one to do the condemning. If not, that weapon, if you give it time, is going to form. And guess what? The weapon will form and fit you. The weapon, the weapon will form, fit you, and kill you. And prosper. That you become your own undoing at the end of the day. But God forbid a bad thing. I will condemn. How do you condemn? You speak back when the, when the word of judgment comes to you. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you condemn. You speak against it. You condemn. Glory to God. 
This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, saith the Lord. Their righteousness is of me. Why do you have confidence to speak and to declare? Say this with me. I will condemn every negative word, every negative thought. I will condemn. How do I condemn it? By constantly meditating on what? On the promise. What are you giving more attention to? The problem or the promise? What should you... You know, that's, that's the right answer. But doesn't mean that's what you're doing. <laughs> so now if I ask you, just be quiet, don't answer me. But you think about the practicality of what you've been doing. So let me ask you again. What have you been thinking more about? Have you been thinking more about the problem or the promise? First Corinthians chapter fifteen verse thirty-three. First Corinthians chapter fifteen verse thirty-three says, "Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts what good habits. Even evil communication, right, corrupts what good manners, right." Evil communications corrupts good hearts. Evil talk can mess up a good heart. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be deceived. Tell another person, don't be deceived. Have you, have you ever heard someone say this? It doesn't matter what anybody says to me. I, I know where I am. No, you should be careful. Of what someone says to you. Glory to God. So tell your neighbor. Say don't be deceived about this. Why? Because evil communications. Corrupt good manners. Evil what? Communication. Corrupts good manners. You know why he's saying don't be deceived? You think you can handle it. You think you can handle it. So. Be careful what is said to you. Be careful what you are saying to someone else because you don't know if the person can actually handle what you say. And that's why it's important not to entertain gossips. Gossips has never profited anybody, whether they are true or whether they are false. So evil communications. If you keep hearing negativity all the time, you keep hearing that you can't, you know, as much as, as much as God's General is a very good book, but it tells you more of the failure of great men of God <laughs> than their exploits. It tells you how great men fail. My dear brother, just get a book that tells you they did well and full stop. Look for something to inspire you. Why do you think the spirit of the New Testament is different from the Old Testament? The Old Testament says that Sarah lied by laughing. Read the comment of Hebrews when he talked about Sarah. Joshua, can you find it for me? 
Anybody who can find it, can, it, can you find it for me? Hebrews 11 what? Hebrews 11 what? Huh? Look for it for me. Hebrews chapter 11. All my Christian brothers and sisters. Where are all of you? We're doing Bible study now, yeah? Hmm? Hebrews 11.11 Hebrews 11.11 It is through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. The spirit of the New Testament inspires. That's the spirit of the New Testament. That's why the Old Testament prophets is different from the New Testament prophet. Because the Old Testament prophet <laughs> cannot see anything through any cross. But the New Testament prophet has to prophesy through the cross. That's the difference. So if someone comes to prophesy to you and tells you um, all the bad stuff, negative stuff in the world and leaves it there, that's not the spirit of the New Testament. Because the spirit of the New Testament speaks of victory that has been concluded before you started the journey. You understand what I'm saying? So, the Bible says that prophecy is to edify, is to comfort, is to strengthen the church. That's the purpose of prophecy. So, don't be carried away by the accuracy of a prophecy when it speaks negativity to you and you have no choice of picking the word out. The Bible says God at sundry times and in diverse manners, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1, spoke to the fathers by the prophets, but has in these last days, in the days where you and I are, spoken to us by his son. Meaning that there is no prophecy or no prophet who should say something to you contrary to what his son has said to you. The proceeding word and the preceding word. The proceeding word. The word that flows in real time. The preceding word. What the son has said. The proceeding word has to match with the preceding word. So someone comes to you and says, Pastor, I had a dream. And in that dream, I was flying. I said to the person, me too. I've had dreams like that. And I didn't even think about it. I didn't even pray about it. I didn't even pray to counter any spirit of witchcraft. I didn't, I didn't bother myself. You know why? Because in the New Testament, you give your dreams its meaning. Because you already have a meaning. You already have a defined meaning from the song. So whatever meaning you... Is, your, is it not your dream? <laughs> Whatever you, meaning you say is what it means. Somebody said, I, I, someone said, I saw a dream of a white cat. The cat was black. The next day, when she woke up, her neighbor had black cats. She made trouble with her neighbor because of her neighbor's cat. Somebody's property. <laughs> Something somebody else bought. 
As I was in Benin one day and I was sleeping. I've shared this story a lot of times. I was sleeping one day and they came to wake me up. Pastor, let's come together to pray. I said, what's happening? What are we praying about? And, and my auntie who woke me up said, how many of you know the bird, the bird called owl? 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 Ouch. <laughs> so, they were stuck somewhere in my ceiling, under my own roof. I mean, under my own ceiling. Directly under my own ceiling. And we started to pray about birds. <laughs> Whatever you give attention will give you direction. I'm telling you. I just went to sleep. I said, look, don't, don't wake me up next time for this kind of thing. If Satan needs to use bird to get my attention, I won't give the attention. If Satan needs fear to get my attention, I won't give him my attention. If he's powerful enough, he doesn't need to go through fear. Fear is to weaken your own standing. So that when you are replying and dealing with the enemy yourself, you are not dealing with full strength. You are dealing with half current. Tell yourself, contemplate more on the promise, not the problem. I've seen people who can quote scripture, but the moment they are facing problems, they don't, they don't remember the scriptures again. So that's when you tell whether the scripture is a revelation or whether it is memorized. The scriptures have to be real to you because even me, myself, who is the pastor, I would have to take the same word that I give to somebody else and sit on the word for myself. Glory to God. Abraham considered not the fact that he was a hundred years old, neither did he consider the deadness of his wife's womb. Sarah was 90 and she gave, she gave birth at 90. <laughs> How did she push? <laughs> Jesus. The promise will beat your impossibilities. Just keep staying at the promise. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 13. Evil communication corrupts good manners. Did we look at... Um, I wanted us to see the NLT version of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. It says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Don't be fooled. So let's see Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is a he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Which one are you? Are you of a faithful spirit or are you a tailbearer? It's easy to say. A tailbearer revealeth secrets. There are some people you tell them a secret the next day. <laughs> Broadcast. 
breaking news. <laughs> but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. You know the story of uh, um, Noah and his sons. Noah had three sons, right? Well, maybe more, I guess, but there was Ham, Sham, and Japheth. Was it true that that man was naked? Was it true? Was it a rumor that he was naked? Or it was actually true? Talk to me, somebody. It was true that he was naked. You know what one did? One went on Instagram or Facebook (laughs) to publicize his father's nakedness. The other two walked back and looked away and covered his father's nakedness. A faithful spirit concealeth the matter. To put a balance to this, when you are within the structure of leadership and discipline is given to someone, that discipline does not mean that a matter is not concealed. So you would not say because you are of a faithful spirit that concealed a matter, you don't know how to speak to your brother, at least not somebody else, the person. Because if you can't go to meet the person and talk to the person, just shut up and pray for the person. But if you really are concerned, go to your brother and speak to your brother. Or in the case where leadership demands that discipline is given to someone, when discipline is offered, that's not the situation of not being of a faithful spirit. So just to put the balance right. But to talk to people who have no intention of constructive conversation, and they go about talking about Mr. A, Mr. B, that's a that's a tail bear. There is no intention for construction in the conversation. So a tail bear re- revealeth secrets. Let's see the NLT version. A gossip goes around telling secrets. But those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Which one are you? You know why? Because it's important how you say things to people because what you say can affect somebody's heart. So you must be careful that you're not the agent to communicate something to someone who can handle what you've said. So you must be very careful because if you're not watchful for your own heart, at least be watchful for your neighbor's heart. Praise God. Let me show you another scripture. Proverbs chapter 26 verse 22. Josh, can you help me get the Living Bible translation of Proverbs 26 from 23 to 26? Proverbs 26 from verse 23 to 26. But let's do Proverbs 26 from verse 22. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles 
and they go down into the innermost body. So, the words of the gossip, if I use the NLT version, use the NLT version, maybe the anointing to break the spirit of gossip is on me today. <laughs> Amen. Now it says, rumors are dainty muscles that sink deep into one's heart. Have you noticed people are more interested in rumors than in the good news? That's why the good news doesn't sell. Why is it difficult to believe the gospel <laughs> than it is to believe rumors? If, I, if you attend any media, any media conference, the first thing they would tell you in a media consulting conference or organization or whatever it is, is number one, bad news sells. So, as a what? journalist, the first thing you are wired to begin to think and look out for is bad news. But for a believer, always look for, are you the type who looks for the best in people? Don't be a tailbearer. Be a trustworthy person. Praise God. Josh, did you get it? Yes. Proverbs chapter 26 from verse 23 to 26. The Living Bible. Did you get it? So let's go over what we said on Sunday. I'm going to wrap up with one more scripture and then we'll pray. Um, it's important what you hear, what you say, because what you hear, what you say determines what. Let's do that together. De determines what? How you think. And how you think determines how you feel. How you feel determines what? Your decisions. Your decisions determine what? Your actions. Your actions determine your habits. And then your habits determine your character. And your character will ultimately bring you to a destination. Glory to God. So what you hear, what you see is important to how you think and how you begin to feel. Very important. This evening as you go back, make sure you don't consider longer the problems than the promise. When you think about the problem, think about the promise while you're dealing with the problem. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Because pastor has not said to you, ignore the problem. No. You have to deal with the problem. But when you're dealing with the problem, make sure you deal with the problem from the perspective of the promise. Because that's the bridge that connects whatever it is you're thinking about with your heart. Amen? So is this message simple enough for you to apply? Yeah, I didn't come this evening to... You know, I can do that. I can give you deep stuff. I came to make your life make sense. And that's the reason why I want you to go back and begin to analyze and judge what is it that I am always thinking about? What is it that I'm always 
pondering over? What is it that I am always contemplating on? Am I contemplating on my weaknesses? Josh, have you found it? You found it? Okay, put it up on the multimedia. Um, from verse 23 to 26, the Living Bible. Proverbs chapter 26, the same chapter from verse 23 down to verse 26. Hallelujah. You know, surround yourself with the atmosphere of God's word all the time. You know, it's important if you have, um, while, whilst you're driving, make sure you, you, you're, you're playing message. Let them call you Spirit Coco. Let them call you names. Let them say every time, every time. Don't worry about it. You know what you're doing. You're, you're, you're guarding your heart. You're preserving your atmosphere. That's what you're doing. Now, this pretty words may hide a wicked heart, just as a pretty glaze covers a common clay pot. <laughs> stay, stay on 23. This 23 is pregnant. 23 is pregnant. It says, pretty words may hide a wicked heart. The fact that people say nice stuff doesn't mean they have a good heart, right? But, like I said to you before, the heart would always show itself over time. You can't hide the intention of the heart over time. You, you, over time, you will reveal it. It will reveal itself. Just as a pretty glaze covers a common clay pot. Next verse. A man with hate in his heart may sound pleasant enough, but don't believe him, for he is cursing you in his heart. Though he pretends to be so kind, his hatred will finally come to light for all to see. Is, is this all of it? Wow. Now, this scripture shouldn't make you more suspicious. <laughs> because that's not the spirit of the message. No, the spirit of the message is not to make you more suspicious of people. Someone comes to greet you and you just begin to say, Wicked heart or good heart? No, no, no. <laughs> that's not. That's not what. That's not the thing I'm trying to achieve here tonight. But I'm just trying to tell you that the heart can be so deceptive that it can hide under good words. It can hide under good words. Now let's flip it to you and start from the end to the beginning. Have you said something that you thought you meant when you didn't mean it? Now, I'm not talking about when someone is talking to you. I'm saying when you are saying something to someone. For example, the song we sing every, every Sunday, every Wednesday. I need you. I love you. Do you really need, <laughs> do you really need your neighbor? Do you really love? Do you, do, you say, do you say how are you and you don't want to hear the, the real answer? How are you doing? And then the person says, man, if I, let, me, let me sit down, let me tell you how, how I'm doing. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> so did you really mean when you said how are you? So TSP, can I, can I put something to you? Make sure you begin to learn how to mean what you say and say what you mean. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is that simple enough? 
make sure you begin to learn how to mean what you say and say what you mean. What does it mean to be a friend? Be a friend to someone you call your friend. Mean it. Don't be a fair weather friend. There are some friends you can't count on them. The moment they go out of their convenience, they can't be friends anymore. In fact, they are only friends on their own terms. They are only friends when it's convenient. They are only friends when they have money. And when you have money, they are also friends. Friends, let, 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 us, let, us, let us be Christ-like in our behavior. Glory to God. Alright, one last scripture and then we're going to pray. One last scripture, we're going to pray. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 15. The Bible says, And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to what? To return. The Bible says that, oh, this is powerful, man. Have you seen the scripture before? Have you seen the scripture before? It says, and truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. The Bible did not even say that they would have returned. They would have seen the opportunity. What you are conscious of determines your reality. If you are conscious of something, you would see the opportunity of that thing. If you are conscious of your healing, you will see the opportunity to be healed. If you are conscious of your wealth and your prosperity, you will see the opportunity when people are seeing the problem. If you are conscious, to, to be honest, if you are conscious of your opportunity, when people are running helter-skelter, you are seeing opportunity because you are conscious more of the promise than the problem. So make sure you are more conscious of the bigger picture, which is the promise, than the problem. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Joseph had a dream. Sun, moon, stars bow down to him. And then he told the dream to his dad, Jacob. And Jacob now said, how can you say your father, your mother, and your brothers will bow down to you? Did the question, <laughs> did Joseph tell his father, the son is you? Go and read that. Go and read that account. Did he mention to did, 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 did the sun carry the name of father? Did the moon carry the name of mother? Did the stars carry the name of brothers? No. It was the father who gave the interpretation of that dream and said, "Son is me. Your mom is moon. Your eleven brothers are the stars." But do you know that that confined Joseph? Because that's not the intention of the meaning of that dream when God gave Joseph the dream. I've taught you this thing before now. 
He created the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. So light, the purpose of light is to rule, not just to see. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon. So if you say it's the harshness of the sun, how about the moon? It's not about the harshness of the light. It's about the fact that the, the sun commands rulership. Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star. Because light is connected to dominion. So when the dream came to Joseph that the sun and the moon will bow down to you. He's saying that the whole world will come to your rule. But Joseph's father, I mean, yeah, Joseph's father limited it to family. When God meant the world, the best Joseph would have been if he stuck to that dream was to be the best in his family. So that's why the interpretation you give of a revelation, you must make sure your heart is big to see more than what your environment is conditioning you. If you take a potential tree and you put it in a clay pot, it can't be the same with the one in the forest. It's an effect. It's the same bonsai effect. If you take a fish and put it in the aquarium, it's not a matter of psychology. Because the water is not talking to the fish. You are great, you are great. <laughs> I don't know if you get what I'm saying. The conditioning is not psychology. Because the water and the nutrients, put the same nutrients in the sea and put it in the aquarium. It will still be small. Let your mind expand. That you are looking at the promise and not the problem. God said you are taking Abuja. You are thinking school fees. <laughs> God said you are taking Africa. And what you are thinking about is promotion. Is promotion. That's, that's what you've been fasting for. And when it didn't happen, you didn't see that God was actually trying to bypass your will to his own will to bring you to the fullness of his plans. And you are there praying and saying, God, I am angry with you because you didn't answer my prayers. But you know, before God even chose Joseph, he looked at the heart of Joseph because he knew out of his brothers, the only one who will be sold and forgive is Joseph. This thing called good hearts is important. People who, if you have a friend, if you have a friend, if you have a friend who has a good heart, you have a treasure. I'm telling you. If you have a friend, boy or girl, who has good mind, good heart, whose heart the word of God eh, has sat down in, formed itself in. Not people who will tell you sweet words and in their heart, like, I, like we read now. If you have a good friend, you have a good treasure. The Bible says a brother loves at all times. A friend, a, a, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born the day of adversity. Let your heart be enlarged. Let your heart take the shape of the promise. Don't let your heart be conditioned to the problem. Praise God. It doesn't matter what you're seeing. Pay more attention. Is this message simple enough? 
I deliberately decided not to go into any deep stuff. I just want you to understand the word. This, this word, you need it. Tomorrow, you're going to need it. There's some of you who have been expecting salary for three months now, they've not paid. <laughs> As I said it, Basi did like this. <laughs> Basi did like this. Help me ask them. That he means I should go to his office. <laughs> it's a small thing. It's a small thing. They are sad because there's no money in the account. Your heart is too small. Just because somebody walked out on you, turned his back against you, doesn't mean that your life is over. Enlarge your heart to the promise. Let there be emotional healing here. Let there be psychologic heart healings here. Let your heart grow to the promise. Stretch your hands. Lift your hands up. I don't know what God said to you before. Yes, I don't know what God has told you. I don't know. I don't know what God has promised you before. But guess what? That promise will ultimately come to pass. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Stay with the promise. 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 Not the problem. I want you to re- Confirm right now your faith by speaking to yourselves. I want you to reconfirm your heart right now by declaring those words you once believed. And anything that has come, any intrusion that has come in between your thought, in between the promise and where you are right now, take charge of them. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment you will condemn you will condemn those things you will condemn those things has God said you will be great and he passed you through the pit has God said you will be great and he passed you through the prison has God said you will be great and your own brother sold you out to put you under the bus has God said you will be great and people who you thought were for you this concludes this message. Thank you for listening and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.